Leo DeRocher, a former professional baseball player who never became a Christian minister, once said, Baseball is like church. Many attend, few understand. Billy Sunday, a former professional baseball player who did become a well-known Christian minister, observed that going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you an automobile. Both men were correct. Consider these frequent conversational comments. I'm going to church. Or, I'll meet you at the church. Or, I belong to the Baptist church. While not incorrect and quite understandable in our everyday usage, the information conveyed by such statements fall far short of what God had in mind with the word church. We should be saying, I am part of the church, and God's church is here on earth, and I experienced church in my home last night with some close friends and family. Really? Yes. Church is much more than what many have come to think it is. Join Lance Tholander on this podcast of The Church from Exploring the Divine, Finding God's Heart in Words of Wonder. With the purpose of building up the body of Christ through local discipleship, national partnerships, and international support of indigenous missionary activity, welcome to Hope Builders International. Hi, I'm Lance Tholander, and I'm here again with my good friend Mark Haskins. And we are going to discuss a subject this morning that affects every believer one way or another. Uh, to me, again, is a word that is vastly misunderstood. And, and my hope really is that in talking about it, uh, if you've grappled with this subject, maybe you can find some encouragement in listening to this and, and a way to see that Jesus has something great in mind for you. And that subject is the church. So welcome, Mark. Yeah, thanks, Lance. Good to, good to be here. Good to do this. Enjoy yeah. very much. And this was a chapter that uh, I really just loved. Read it several yeah. times. And in many ways, it was very thought-provoking, but also very affirming for yeah. some of the issues and things I've wrestled with. Yeah. Now, I'm just dying to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, right off the bat, you say, gosh, there are many different views and a great amount of misunderstanding regarding the notion of church. Is there really just one answer to what is church? You know, I thought I see 75 churches when I drive between your house and my house. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, my own church experience is so varied. Uh, I grew up in, a, in the Lutheran church. Um, I was president of the Luther League, you know, as a youngster. I preached my first <laughs> sermon when I was 16 years old. Wow. On Youth Sunday there at the church. Uh, my grandfather helped lay the foundation for that church. And, you know, if you drive by that church today, it's a, on a big hill in San Francisco. It's painted purple. It's <laughs> called Her Church. And there's a big sign on the outside that welcomes all who pass by to come enjoy the worship of the female deity. Oh, so, wow. Uh, that's quite a, a thing there. Actually, I met Christ in the Jesus movement, was part of the house church movement for many years. Uh, I've had the privilege of traveling to many countries where I've been able to speak in many denominations. So, you know, is there a way to do church? You know, in all the years we've talked about church, you know, and yet 
uh, my reading shows me there's over 9,000 different denominations. Wow. And probably 33,000 if you mix in all the, you know, the smaller ones, the independent ones. So i got to believe there's some better meaning, you know, something else better that the Lord had in mind when it comes to the reality of what church is, this thing that Jesus gave his life for and cherishes. He, he gave his life for the church. Right. It's not he gave his life for the churches. No, that's uh, true, yeah. And so, gosh, that's got to in some ways maybe break his heart that there's so many different denominations and uh, divisions. I think it has to be, you know, it's even become, you know, oftentimes when we meet new believers, uh, I know that, you know, when you meet a new believer or a, another believer, there's sort of instantly, to me, a sort of a bond there. But then inevitably sort of what, one of the early questions is, well, where do you go to church or where do you fellowship? Right. Up? And right. Depending on how they answer that question, you're either going to feel more drawn to them or, you're, you know, some yeah. invisible barriers are going to go up there. So I understand the question and I understand where we go when we ask it. But unfortunately, that's, there's kind of a downside there to that understanding of church as opposed to what we do for fellowship. Yeah. Well, maybe the way to, to get some clarity and, and uh, specificity on what really was at God's heart with church is to go back to the, the, the root word, the Greek word. Yeah. And I know that's ekklesia. Right. That's one of the few Greek words I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just start at the beginning and, and yeah. help, help us put that in a mm-hmm. 21st century context. Yeah. Well, this is a fascinating word. Like many of the New Testament words we have that, you know, church has become a religious concept. You know, that's where you go on Sunday. That's something you do as part of your religious duty right. to God. And yet the word ecclesia wasn't a religious term at all. It was a military term. It was a political term. Hmm. It was used to, uh, you know, the word itself meant called out ones or you know, and it carried the idea of an assembly. And, it, it, you know, in the first century, again, it had no religious meaning. Uh, in Greek cities, for example, the ecclesia was called together to decide on matters affecting the community. Everybody had a vote. When something was going wrong, they would call the ecclesia and they would make a decision about how to go forward. So the word itself wasn't religious. I mean, it was it was everything it had to do with how you lived your life and how things were going to play out it was something that was corporate uh so when we consider that jesus came to earth to set up the kingdom of god which we talked about in the last podcast really it makes perfect sense that he would use a political word an everyday kind of word Hmm. to describe uh, the coming together of his people so you know, in my mind, when I think of church, I think about it being the assembly, those who have been called out of the world to show who Christ is. You know, that's the body of Christ. So when we encounter ecclesia, really we're encountering Christ and his people in a, in a way that ought to impact our lives, you know, in, in every area of how we live. So that's, that's sort of the his, history of the word ecclesia. Well, I, I, that's fascinating because I didn't realize that that had connotation of assembly. And yeah. uh, you described uh, your Lutheran upbringing as a youth. Yeah. Uh, I became a believer in a gathering, non-denominational gathering, uh, a group of small believers, called the, and we called ourselves the assembly. Mm-hmm. And 
I never knew that connection to to yeah. the root of ecclesia, and yeah. um, so the the notion of church really in its purest form is an assembly of called out ones. Would be that that be your definition? Yes, the gathering together yeah. and, the, and the expressing really to express really the will of God. You know, when you you know it's not religious, not secular, but here it's it's a new nation. You know, and last week in our well in our last podcast on on uh, the kingdom, I talked a little bit about the word apostle, and I won't go into that again in detail. But when you put together the fact that an apostle was again a, a military word, a government right. word. And this was a person who, who was tasked with bringing the culture of his home country to the place where he was going. That, you know, an apostle, Paul, Jesus was called the apostle, the high priest of our confession. He's bringing the culture of the heavens, the, the, the way that life is lived in the heavens to the earth, and he's calling it ecclesia. So... Mm-hmm. That to me is dynamic. That that to me is exciting. We really have a an invasion of another life, another culture, another kingdom, and it's a corp. There's a it's the corporate working out of this, and and that makes it important because that means I need you. You know, we're part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of this gathering together, this assembly. So, and if it is that simple, but that heavenly and that beautiful. Certainly, the enemy's going to be oh, yeah. uh, attacking it left yes. and right and confusing us mm-hmm. and dividing us. Well, that's a great point. Because, you know, Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia. I will build my church, my body. And, you know, we, we translate that as the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But actually, literally, it says the gates of the unseen shall not be prevailing against it. So the Lord sets up this battle between the church, the ecclesia, and the unseen realm, and they're going to be doing battle. And the church, of course, is going to triumph. I will build my church, and and the gates of the unseen will not prevail against it. So who wins in that contest? God. God does through through the church. So of course, the, the enemy is going to be against that. The enemy is going to target it. And I think that's one reason why there's so much confusion and why, you know, frankly, so many believers have had hard, a hard experience with the church. And, you know, I just want to clarify right now, I, I am for believers getting together on a regular basis. And if you do that on Certainly. Sunday mornings in a large building or a small building and you're finding Christ there, I'm all for, for that. In fact, to you and I and others, or we rented a building right. for a year on Sunday morning and and met there. So I just want to say I'm I'm for that and I'm for you. But I think there are many many out there who some of their greatest pains have come through their church experience, disappointments, splits, whatever. And part of the reason for that is the enemy has targeted the ecclesia because she is his enemy. She's right. the one that's going to. We as God's people are the ones that are going to prevail against him through Christ, through our Lord. So, Yeah, and the, hall, the hallmark of that gathering when it is focused on the Lord and it is humming along as he would like it, it would be life-giving as opposed right. to what we often yeah. experience on Sunday mornings of mm-hmm. duty, 
looking at our watch, yeah. hoping that you know it hurries up for the football kickoff, whatever. Yeah. If that's not life giving, and so right. his biggest attack is to boredom or dullness or yeah. uninspired whatever so it doesn't have to be untruths it can be that deadening of our desire to experience the gathering yeah uh, george barna who's a well-known researcher uh did a study among men and found that you know 85 percent of them found church boring oh and wow. you know the pro- what what really gets to me there is if the church you know the church is that's our religious experience. That's what we do, you know, to be with God for most people. And and if that's boring to you, then God is going to be boring to you. And so you're not going to think about God being exciting, dynamic, present. So I think that's the real back damage, you know, that comes from that. Because I don't know, well, I, I do know that the God you know and serve and love is not boring. Right. And neither right. is the one that I know. So... That's a great litmus test. You know, if, if we're gathering and we are finding ourselves not going to that heavenly place with a life-giving enthusiasm and passion, but deadness, dullness, and boredom, then there's something we can be checking the box of we were at church, but we yeah. didn't experience church. Well, and too often we blame ourselves for that yeah we feel guilty yes. we're we're at fault you know what's going on there is right but we're just not trying hard enough mm-hmm. and and ultimately we check out somewhere so anyway perhaps through this conversation and just through thinking about it we can move from that to a place of really embracing the idea lord how how does ecclesia work in my life? Who who do you want me to be connected mm-hmm. with? Because I really believe, we do need to be connected. We need to right. one another to live out this right. life. Right. Right. I love one of the uh, sections that you get into about halfway through the chapter. You you, you pose this wonderful question. Mm-hmm. The question is, uh, okay, if 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 we are focused on God's notion of church, mm-hmm. what's unique then? about those Christian gatherings, those believers gathering. What, what's unique about that gathering that would be, you know, exhibit one, that yeah. this was church? Yeah, well, I like to think about the church as as the place where Jesus Christ goes for fellowship. Ah. That's, Jesus, that's where Jesus likes to go to hang out. Um, you know, it's the presence of, presence of the Lord Jesus, you know, in spirit, uh, in his people. So you've got... You know, assembly of people where the Lord is. And, you know, and our greatest hope, our greatest expectation, and really our greatest comfort is that he will be there. You know, if you're if you're there, I'm there in the midst. So uh, not esoteric, not ethereal, but, you know, we'll actually sense his presence. You know, we'll hear his voice speaking to us through one another or through a psalm or a psalm or a scripture or teaching or something. Mm-hmm. The best part is we will actually taste his love. Mm. We will experience the love of the Lord Jesus Mm. because this is a place of love and fellowship, friendship. Before we started the podcast, you were sort of uh, sharing a little perspective about um, the fellowship hall part of the church. I may be jumping ahead here, but uh, I thought that was just a sweet little way to think about yeah, Jesus showing up. Well, there's a there's an Old Testament picture, and in the chapter I actually discuss some Old Testament 
pictures of the church. We're not going to talk about that today, but you can read about them in the book. Uh, but the, one of the pictures I love is the, the prequel, if you will, to the church is the tent of meeting. You know, that God sent up, set up and had Moses set up in the wilderness uh, before, the, before the tabernacle, before the temple. And it says that God would meet there with Moses as a man meets with his friend. And all the all the Israelites would all the other Israelites all the men and they they pictured the whole you know that was the culture they pictured men and women they would stand at their door and they would watch Moses go in and I, I can't help but think that they must have wondered hmm. what's it like yes, what's going absolutely. on this is God this is the a mighty God and he's in a tent with Moses and of course Joshua was creeping in there too you know, we find out. <laughs> but you know they were meeting there as a man meets with his friend mm. and to me this you know jesus talks about um you know no longer do i call you slaves for the slave does not know what his master is doing but i have called you friends for all things that i have heard from my father i have made known to you so mm. the father obviously i mean this is god's heart to be friends with us you know paul wrote god is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship you know fellowship friendship comradeship companionship of individuals in a congenial atmosphere you know mm. just to break that word out a little yes, because yeah. you know, again in our use of it you know it gets sort of categorized um, on equal terms you know that's all the meaning that's involved in fellowship and friendship and yeah, I mean, in, my, in the church that I grew up in, you know, we had the sanctuary, and then we had Fellowship Hall. Hmm. Well, Fellowship Hall is where you could go and relax. You know, that's where you would eat and do whatever you were going right. to You know, the, the, the serious stuff happened, you know, in the sanctuary, you know, and supposedly that's where God was, you know. He was in okay. the sanctuary, okay. but if you wanted to hang out... You'd go to the fellowship Let hall. your hair down. Yeah, yeah, that would happen in the fellowship hall. And I have to wonder, okay, which one of those places would Jesus have hung out in? You know? <laughs> Probably the reality is both, but he'd yeah, be sure. also present in the fellowship hall. You're right. The reality is both. But, um, you know, there's just this, this camaraderie that's involved in being with Jesus in the heart of the Father and in our being together. And I, Well, you know, what? one of the things that that immediately opens the door to is that we can have this fellowship with Jesus and with our Father without having to be sort of either literally or even figuratively dependent upon who's standing up there behind the pulpit. Right. In that I love this notion that we are, those who believe we are a royal priesthood. Right. And could you talk a little bit about how Peter sort of uh, makes that known for us, that uh, we have that ability for one-on-one fellowship, one-on-one camaraderie. I have this picture in my mind of Moses in the tent with God, as a man is with his friend, and then all these other people who are watching from their doorway, they can't go in there, they can't participate. But, um, you know, when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, he wanted a nation of priests. That's what he wanted. Now then, if you'll obey my voice, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, Peter writes, coming to him, to Jesus, to a living stone, uh, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house 
for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Why? So you can proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous Mm. light. So Mm. what is it that we proclaim? How great he is. And how do we find that out? I could talk for quite a while about you and the kind of person you are. And I know you'd be totally embarrassed if I did that. Yes. But how would I be able to do that? Well, I've known you for years. We've been together in glory. We've been together in pain. We've been together through tears. We've been together through a lot of stuff. And that's how that's how Jesus wants to be with us as priests. We serve him. We're with him. And we get to know. We don't have to make up stuff about how great God is. No. We're witnesses of this God that we've come to know, and this happens in this environment. You know, it happens personally, to be sure, thank God, but it, it happens even in a greater way in ecclesia, you know, in our union, in our being together, in our living life together as the church, both in a structured way and in an unstructured way, and we've, we've done both. And so... Right. That's some of the beauty of it, that as we live out this life as priests, um, we're not just a few people, not just the one who's standing in the front gets to represent God, gets to know God, gets to come back and talk to us about God, but everybody. Certainly there's a role, an important role to be played by those in full-time Christian ministry who have the anointing of teaching and and expository, Uh, but we're each able to experience that through the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and in giving and taking from one another. Um, I love what Paul sort of says to the Corinthians, and, and, and you quote mm-hmm. this Corinthians 3 9 for we are God's fellow workers mm-hmm. you are God's field and God's building mm-hmm. and that's we that, yeah. that's a all inclusive we yeah. not just those designated by some school or degree on the wall or standing in the um, behind the pulpit I love that notion and, yeah. and you're right I would I would mm-hmm. agree with you that uh, you have ministered to me and I believe I've ministered to you through Absolutely. the years that we've known each other yeah and you bet I don't have a ministry degree <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully I saw a little bit of you know, showed a little bit of God's excellency yeah. to you and I know yeah. you have to me so yeah, yeah absolutely yeah well you know those of us who who do you know, I was a school teacher for many years. I still consider that my profession. But I've been in Christian ministry, you know, now for, wow, 20 years mm. in that sense. And so really, it, those of us who are really our job should be to be shepherds, but to shepherd the people where in, into, you know, as John, it says in John, my sheep go in and out and they find pasture. We've talked about this before, in and out of where in and out of the heavens, in and out of the Father's presence. And in that going in and out, there's nourishment and food for the whole growing body. And really, I think that's what Ephesians is talking about. You know, those giftings for the body are to build up the body so that the body can build itself up. Because, you know, by and large, most of the building up doesn't happen in in the confines of a building on a certain right. day. You know, most of the building up happens out there. 
in the trenches in real life, you know, when you're going through it. And, uh, so that's an important service, you know, that we mm-hmm. offer to one another mm-hmm. through this life who is Christ, who is in us. So, yeah. Well, again, that just takes me back to the connection the New Testament version of the Old Testament truth of the Holy of Holies in the sense of, as you were saying we each shepherd one another into the Lord's presence and so in, in a sense we are each able to shepherd one another and, and ourselves into the Holy of Holies since that curtain was torn at the yeah. cross and the crucifixion mm-hmm. and so that was a wonderful type in the Old Testament, and we have access to that holy of holies. Yeah, you know this. This brings me to a word, Mark, that we also talked about before, and that word is the word sanctuary. Right. You know, and of course, from the word sanctuary, we get the word sanctified or sanctification, and which I think for a lot you 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 said this yeah. to me that the way I said it was, uh, I there's no doubt in my mind that I'm saved. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm well down the road called sanctified. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, when you look at that word, um, and you look at it in the Old Testament, sanctuary, what was the sanctuary? Okay, that was the place where the people would meet with God. Why? Not to get the rules, you know, not to try to keep the traditions, but if you go back and look at it, it's so... God could meet with them where I will meet with you. That was the God's heart in the sanctuary. Yeah, I've given you these rules to help you know how to order your life for now, but I'm going to meet with you there. I'm going to uh, speak to you. You're going to speak to me. So and Jesus comes along and says, you're going to be the sanctuary. You know, you have been sanctified. Uh, Hebrews 10, you know, says, by this will we have been sanctified through the body, the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those that are sanctified. So what does it mean to be sanctified? Well, if you look at it from the word sanctuary, we've been set apart, called out from yep. the kingdom of darkness yep. to, to be the sanctuary, to be the dwelling place of the living God. Wow. How exciting is that? I mean, that doesn't depend on me behaving a certain way. or I mean, I have been made a sanctuary. Uh, Paul wrote, don't you know that you are a sanctuary of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? I mean, so here, here is the sanctuary, the preview of the church, and how is that church built? Because each one of us becomes the dwelling of the living God where we can fellowship with him and have intimacy with him, know him. And, and that's the, the power and the, mm-hmm. the gift of the cross. Yes, it is. Because it's absolutely Christ's blood that yeah. is what sanctifies me. As that's you right said, it's not my works or my... That's right. You know, what it took for that. Right. Uh, you know, Jesus... Uh, when he came as a man, the Holy of Holies, that special dwelling place, was located behind a huge curtain. I've read that uh, that curtain was 60 feet wide by 30 feet high, four inches thick. It weighed about four tons. Mm. It took 300 priests to carry that curtain into place. Wow. I mean, that was not 
yeah. a thin veil. So the rending of that curtain could only have been done by a mighty God who wanted the Holy of Holies made accessible forever. And what did it take? Yes, it took the death of right. the Lord Jesus, the rending of his body so that the blood could flow, so that the life could flow. Wow. Hmm. And where is that Holy of Holies today? It's still in the heart of the temple. You know, we who are believers in Christ, we're that temple, and that holy place has moved actually right inside of us, a sacred place in our spirit where Christ dwells. So that's that's a wonderful truth. Uh, You know, if you just sort of meditate on that for a little while, and Mm -hmm. I know we all have those of us who believe. Here it is, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. 30 or 40 years walking this Christian life. Mm -hmm. That's just amazing. What a a free gift offered to us that negates all the things that Moses and the Israelites had to worry about through this blood gift for us that gives us that access to a holy God Mm -hmm. who wants to call us friend. Wow. That's that's amazing if you just sort of think about that. Mm -hmm. Wow. That brings real teeth into Paul's words, you have been called into fellowship, yes. into friendship, yeah. into comradeship with the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, as, as, as we bring this to a close, I, I loved one of the ways that you sort of brought some perspective at the end of the chapter to all the various things that we've touched on, and, and certainly in the chapter you touch on more. But mm-hmm. you talk about there's three aspects of the church, yeah. and I think... You know, some people are interested in their genealogy and their family history. Mm -hmm. There is a history associated with this notion of God's church. And I thought the way that you teed up those three aspects of the church were just Mm -hmm. such a a wonderful way to visualize my place in three different ways in Mm -hmm. that ecclesia. Can you talk about that? But the way I like to think about it is, okay, you have the church local. Um, you know, Paul refers to the church of God, which is at Corinth, the churches of Galatia, the church of the Thessalonians. Right. Like that. Okay. Uh, that church could meet in homes as it did in the home of Nymphus, you know, the house of Philemon, the home of Priscilla Aquila, or it could meet in a central place like Solomon's porch. I mean, this mm-hmm. ecclesia isn't confined to a building and, you know, probably one of my, uh, little things is, you know, I, I don't. I don't like the church being called a building. You know, mm-hmm. That's just hard for me. You know, yeah. to me, the church isn't a building. It will never be a building. Are buildings wrong? No, buildings are fine. But the building is not the church. the The assembly is the church. The people, the body, is the church. So, anyway, were all the meetings the same? No, they had all kinds of meetings. You know, in those in those buildings. So, you have the local aspect of the church, and I'm so blessed to be connected locally, you know, with believers. Uh, Then there's the church, timeless, across history. Uh, We're all a part of that church. You know, we're brothers in that ecclesia, that fellowship, that building with all the saints. And uh, then I would say there's the church sort of universal, geographical. Um, This is the body of Christ spread all over the world. You know, that we are connected to, I mean, I'm, we're so blessed at Hope Builders to know believers 
in other countries, uh, Nepal, India, people who've been threatened by death, people who live in danger, people whose cultures are much more aggressively against the church than ours are right now. Um, to be connected to those people really broadens our view, and I, I hope our listeners can be connected to that church, uh, which I'm calling the universal church right. in some way, because you know, Mark, just the benefit of sitting around a table with someone who's telling a story that's completely out of your frame of reference and what God did there and does. So uh, those are the three things I would say, local, universal, timeless. Um, we're going to see that glorious assembly of people uh, at the end of time. You know, John writes, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made, re- made ready as a bride. I heard a loud voice, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and women, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people. God himself shall be among them. Yeah. That's the totality, the reality, the yeah. future ending of ecclesia, you know, which is our inheritance. So uh, to be a part of that then is a great hope, but to be a part of it now really is can be so enriching to our right. lives. And one of the things the, the chapter did for me, Lance, and I would perhaps encourage those who listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to admit that, you know, the denominations and all that, uh, we tend to sort of zero in on what's different yeah. about where we stand. Right. And this notion of church, local, universal, and timeless, I've learned to be thinking more about what are the commonalities we have. Yeah. I don't care whether you're Baptist, Lutheran, yeah. Catholic, whatever. Yeah. Focus on how do we both know the Lord yeah. in a way that <clears throat> starts at the cross. Right. And is anchored there, yeah. And we can find fellowship through, yeah, time, geography, and locally. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Exploring the Divine, Finding God's Heart in Words of Wonder. We've just got one chapter left to cover, and that's the Word of God. So we hope you'll join us for that one as well. Thank you for listening to Hope Builders International. Discover ways that you can join us with building up the body of Christ by visiting our website at hope-builders.org.